episode 26 of Shortbox Summary. I'm your host, George, and today we are talking about Spider-Man and all of his amazingness. I'm joined by one of my favorite and most recurring guests ever, Aaliyah. How's it going? Oh, it's good. I'm only most recurring because I happen to live with you. Yeah, scheduling is a real pain in the dick. I'm not going to lie. It really, it really sucks. It's really hard to coordinate with like other 30-something-year-olds. Like, hey, do you want to like read six issues of a comic book? And most of the time they're like, yeah, that, I could do that. That sounds fun. I'm like, cool. Then uh, after you do that, can you hang out with me for one to two hours to talk about it? And they're like, well, that's a little rough. I just don't have a choice. No, you sure don't. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. There is not a gun to my head. No, there's not. I'm super scared of guns. I own a couple Nerf guns, but even then, haven't fired them in years. Feel uncomfortable. Remember that time in Boston you shot me in the face with a Nerf gun and there was like a welt on my cheek? I still think you walked into my line of fire. I was aiming at the Victim TV. blaming much? <laughs> it was a fucking Nerf gun. What do you want from me? <laughs> it hurt. Yeah, you it did, really hurt. You did have like a little, like it almost looked like a chicken pox scar under your eye. God, that hurt. I think that was your Nerf gun? It was my Nerf gun, which, uh, like, really hurts. Uh, it's insult to injury. <laughs> <sighs> Aaliyah, we're here today to talk about Amazing Spider-Man, specifically issues 519 to 524. This what, was my first Spider-Man. This was your first Spider-Man. What's your take on Spider-Man? Um, honestly, in the New Avengers stuff that I've read so far, I found him to be a little annoying. Mm-hmm. And just, like, chatting, and, like, I know that's, like, his thing. He does quips. He quips and he thwips. Those are his big two things. Yeah, but, like, without, like, the face of Tom Holland, it's, like, hard to get into. He's a little young for you. That's true. But he's British. And he's also not Tobey Maguire, most importantly. Yes. So you forgot, you forgot the British. The Britishness, yeah. Co-faction. Coefficient? Whatever. Okay. Honestly, in that case, shouldn't you be more of a Andrew Garfield lady? Uh, see, I, like, protested the Andrew Garfield ones because I was still so mad about Tobey Maguire. Okay. <laughs> uh, in that case, I cannot recommend the last episode of this podcast to you. It was all Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah, I haven't listened. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, spoilers. Hate Tobey Maguire. Oh, that's not a fucking spoiler. <laughs> Who's the one person I hate more than Tobey Maguire? Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Um, you and Aaron have the same opinion on Maggie Gyllenhaal, which is so bizarre to me. I never thought I'd be in a room with one person who, like, hates Maggie with, like, any kind of sincere passion. And then all of a sudden, I met Aaron. <laughs> and then I was just like, holy shit, there are two people in this jackalope bar with a burning hatred of Maggie Gyllenhaal. I, the only thing I've ever seen her in is whatchamacallit. Donnie Darko? No. I don't know what whatchamacallit is. One of the Batman. Oh, uh, the Dark Knight. Okay. Um, but that's not fair because you have like a little schoolgirl infatuation with Katie Holmes. Yeah, I don't really understand why. <laughs> Nothing makes sense to me. <laughs> I should go back to therapy. <laughs> okay, so Spider-Man was annoying in New Avengers. How did you perceive him in his first solo adventure? Uh, I liked him a lot more. Um, it helps that I said this to you, I think, halfway through where I was like, this story is not really about Spider-Man. No, it's it's interesting because Spider-Man pops up in the New Avengers book kind of sporadically. Like, he's not the main focus, obviously, in the New Avengers. And so it's kind of like the opposite here where, like, he is the main focus here and the New Avengers just kind of pop up with, like, the, the amount of screen time he was getting in New Avengers. So they flip it. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like the storyline, I guess towards the end it did come back to Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Yeah. But... I don't know a lot of it. I was like, oh, this isn't really about him. Um, I thought he was much more endearing in these issues mm -hmm. than just like swinging in, being witty and swinging out. Making a weird dick joke and flying away. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to each his own. Did you like him being married to Mary Jane? So for reference, again, we're talking about Amazing Spider-Man 519 through 524. This is when he's married to Mary Jane. Aunt May knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. I think he tells her in issue 500, I believe, maybe a little before that. But this is sort of uh, unprecedented adult Peter Parker that we rarely get to see anymore. And MJ knows, too. MJ knows, yeah. Um, I really like that dynamic of, like, 
him having people in his life that he can be honest with and know, but it's, like, not the whole world. Mm-hmm. So he, like, still has a secret identity. I mean, it causes some issues that we'll get into, I'm sure. But that's okay, because you love drama. I do love drama. I love other people's drama. Specifically, yeah. Not my own. Yeah. Um, But I liked it. I like that... The, the marriage thing seems to work for him. Mm-hmm. I feel like... Up until now, I had only seen this some of the Spider-Man movies, and he seemed more childish. That's fair. In yeah. those, and immature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so seeing him in like a married role, and like a much more mature Peter Parker. Yeah. I appreciated, especially because I'm at a much more mature point in my life as well. Yeah, that's a great point. Super mature. Are you? I feel like I, I talk myself into a corner here. <laughs> You're the one with gray hairs. Okay, they're stress hairs. Totally different. Yeah, from who? <laughs> I'm not going to single anyone out, but it's definitely because of Cricket, <laughs> our littlest dog. Uh, so this story is called New Avengers. There's two big stories that happened just before this. I'm going to quickly summarize those for you. Make it fast. Yeah, all right. So I don't want to do a full episode on this. I might do a full episode on it in the future. But, um, also you're about to hear what sounds like someone peeing. No one's peeing. We're pouring wine into a glass. Sorry. And I'm not good enough at sound editing to pause it, stop it, edit. I, I just don't want to do that. I'm very tired. You're very tired. Yeah, this is going to be like a click, click, boom. Yeah, we're just going to just gonna run with it. There was a story from Amazing Spider-Man 509 to 514. It was called Since Past. And that is one of the most, if not the most, controversial Spider-Man stories of all time. Why? In this story, he finds out that Gwen Stacy, his longtime girlfriend and first true love, was actually pregnant with the children of Norman Osborn, the Green Goblin. Oh, that's uh, Willem Dafoe, right? Yes. Okay. Not like IRL, but not. <laughs> if any, if any person could be the Green Goblin in real life, it would be Willem Dafoe. God, what a, he can! He, dude's a chameleon. He can he can do anything. Uh, in fact, Norman Osborn would go on to eventually kill Gwen Stacy, oh, no. and they kind of lay the groundwork for why he killed Gwen Stacy. It always seemed sort of like inconsequential. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it was just like, oh, he just wants to hurt Peter. And it's like, oh, no, he actually wanted to hurt Gwen specifically. And we've, it, it, that laid out in this story. Have we had a Gwen Stacy in a movie? Yeah, that was Emma Stone. Okay, in that the, was. In the Andrew Garfield ones, yeah. Okay, I was like, for some reason I associate Emma Stone with Gwen Stacy. I didn't know if she was Gwen Stacy or MJ. Aaron actually had a really good point in our Spider-Man movie podcast where he said they completely miscast Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane and that, like... Kirsten Dunst is actually a perfect Gwen Stacy, but not a perfect Mary Jane, which I actually think is a really insightful comment. Who would you have cast as Mary Jane? Did you talk about that? We did not. No, 2002 knockouts. Um, Kirsten Dunst was, that was like the top of her game. That was, that was apex of her career. Either that or like Marie Antoinette, but that was like, she only got that because of Spider-Man, I think. That was like the Sofia Coppola where she played. I never saw it. Marie Antoinette. It's fine. I don't, I'm not a big Sofia Coppola fan, but it's a very pretty movie. Um, I saw Kate Bosworth floating around as a name, and I actually really like that pick. Would she have been too old at the time? No, no. She, she was the same age as Kirsten Dunst. Okay. Eliza Dushko. She was in the running. Was she? Yeah, you should listen to the last episode. Tobey Maguire makes no appearances in the episode. I love Eliza Dushko. I, know I think know. that would have been really fun. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, due to Norman's enhanced but unstable genetics, those children were born in secret in Europe and matured quickly with metahuman strength and essentially aged three years for every one normal year. Norman found them and raised them to hate Peter and Spider-Man, and so when they, Gabriel and Sarah, their names, uh, when they came to the States, they were top-tier assassins trying to take Peter out because they blamed him for their mother's death. Uh, he was able to convince Sarah, the, the daughter who looked identical to Gwen Stacy of the Truth, and she ends up stopping Gabriel, who loses his memory after the battle. He, like, crashes into the ocean, washes up on shore. He's just like, I have no idea who I am. Uh, meanwhile, MJ is cast uh, in a, as the lead in an off-Broadway play. She's enjoying great success and gains new attention, thanks to her now revitalized career. And then after that, there was a four-issue story called Skin Deep, uh, where Peter's old classmate, Charlie Widerman, shows up after years away, hoping to use Peter's relationship with uh, Tony Stark to secure funding for a weapons contract he's working on. 
where he's trying to liquefy vibranium, like that super material that like... I know vibranium is. All right, well, I don't know if the listeners do, but it's like everything from the Black Panther movie. It's like this magic metal from Beyond the Stars. Uh, trying to liquefy it into a protective suit for soldiers, but he's careless, he's untrustworthy, he's arrogant, and blames everyone but himself. Uh, he had real school shooter energy in that comic. Hey. Like, he literally brings a knife, I think, to avoid comparisons to Columbine, but it's like, you know, same idea of just like, I'm gonna get even with these bullies. He was picked on, like, way more than Peter was, and Peter, uh, to his detriment, actually kind of enjoyed Charlie being picked on because that meant he got a break from the bullies. Uh, so he uses himself as a test subject for the incredible unstable liquid vibranium. He becomes mentally unhinged and physically unmatched, becomes super powerful, but super dangerous and deranged. Peter's able to stop him, but not before Charlie burns down Peter and MJ's apartment and Aunt May's house. And so that's where we start at the beginning of this story. Now, this is Amazing Spider-Man 519. It is written by J. Michael Straczynski with art by Mike Deodato Jr. and art by, or sorry, inks by Joe Pimentel. Sorry, I just had real, and he said school shooter vibes, uh, real, I'm a burn your motherfucking house down vibes. Oh, yeah. We had a friend who threatened to do that to an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> We're not going to say who. No, but she's amazing. They are amazing. Anonymity. Sorry. Okay. Completely racked with guilt while sifting through the wreckage of Aunt May's house, Peter is approached by a limo carrying Tony Stark, who invites the three Parkers to stay with him at Avengers Tower. Risking serious injury, May makes her way inside the burnt home and recovers a photo album, saying nothing else matters and she's ready to go. Welcomed by the full team of new Avengers, Cap and Aunt May immediately hit it off, ostensibly being from the same generation. Wolverine tells Peter that MJ is way too hot for him, which, yeah, like she is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after that, May starts talking to, talking to Jarvis and got a, got a little little chemistry going on. I love it. Yeah, I love it so much. You love old people finding love. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love old people. Old people being happy just makes me happy. Grace and Frankie, big hit. I only watched the first season. The first season was pretty much all you need to watch. Great show though. So Aunt May and Jarvis, they hit it off, uh, being two older, non-powered people. MJ and Peter move into the room and bang one out, because that's how Spidey does. That's one thing I really noticed, is uh, how horny this book is. I was That was one thing I noticed, too. Where I was like, I think this is the first time I've actually seen, like, sex portrayed in a comic. Not that I have read a whole lot of comics, mm-hmm. uh, but it all seemed pretty PG. Yeah. Uh, but this one, I was like, damn! I don't know if they were more comfortable with it because they were married, but, like, this book is so much hornier than I remember, and so much hornier than, like, most books now, for sure. Well, do you think that has to do with, like, Disney? I think that's actually a big part of it, and it's kind of a bummer. That's, like, one thing that, like, I think we've talked about is, like, the complete lack of sexuality and, like, chemistry between people in the MCU. Like, there's just not a lot of, like, I'm gonna jump your bones. Yeah. Can I talk about Thor? Not talk about... Any spoilers? I don't want to do spoilers. No spoilers? Is, is it still in, like, spoiler time period? I think we're still in spoiler time period. We can record. How about we do, like, a little five-minute thing after? It was, it, was, it was just a quick... Let's just do At the end of the podcast, we'll do it. Okay. Across town, some drug-dealing Hydra executive just slept with a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent keeping tabs on him and his operation when suddenly she's shot and he's kidnapped. Bound and gagged with similar higher-ups, a voice tells him they will not be leaving there alive. Throughout his monologue, he hits them where it hurts, saying things like, Hydra had unfortunately passed to men of great ambition, but with small dreams, who have allowed their legacy to become trivial, and quote, theft and syndicate, sorry, theft and syndicates and drug importation and money laundering, no different from a hundred other syndicates run by grasping desperate men who believe money is the goal, never realizing, never understanding that money is just a means to an end, one of many. Just as you were means to an end. Over the last five years, you have filled our coffers with all the money we would ever need to reinvigorate our organization, to restructure, regroup, rethink, and return. Which is what we do, you see. We shall never be destroyed. Cut off one limb, and two more shall take its place. Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. All these men are executed by firing squad, and the dude keeps talking, saying they failed a basic tenet of warfare by failing to meet their enemy with equal force, and he reveals people who look an awful lot like Thor and Captain America to thousands of Hydra agents in a massive underground complex. Uh, 
all screaming, all chanting, Hail Hydra. Yeah, some real Nazi shit. Yeah, it feels way more Nazi than I think a lot of Hydra does now. Like in the movies, right? Yeah. Uh, so that is issue 519. What'd you think? First, first Spider-Man issue, first intro to the story. Uh, I really liked it. I really liked the art. Mike Deodato Jr., really super fucking talented. Yeah. Um, I didn't put together that it was Hydra until he was like, cut one limb off, two will grow back. And I was like, oh, what? shit! Oh, shit! Oh, hey, guys! <laughs> um, which is like on me. Like, like I, I should have known. There, so I said that it was Hydra. It wasn't revealed until super late. Like, there was, I think, like a color of like a mirror. Like, there was like a etched thing into a mirror that had like the symbol. Mm-hmm. But if you weren't like looking for it, really easy to miss. Yeah, no, I just, I, I feel like I should assume half the bad guys are Hydra. Like, We've talked about Hydra in a few other episodes, and, uh, like, Fabio actually found them laughable. Like, he thought that they were, like, super cheesy, but because they just kept doing things like Hail Hydra, like, in the middle of a conversation. And they were kind of, like, I guess, like, a 21st century reinvention of, like, a 20th century villain. Like, they were trying to be, like, edgy and cool. I find this way more terrifying. Like, the fact that it is, like, an under... Like, it looks like a 1930s, like, pulp adventure, right? Like, it's, like, they're in, like, an underground cavern under New York City, and it's just a whole bunch of people in ridiculous outfits buying into this grand idea of supremacism. I find that so much more terrifying than, like, the James Bondification, I guess, of, of yeah. Hydra. Uh, I agree with that. I recently watched a bunch of World War II documentaries on Netflix, and there, like, was one shot of, like, a giant fucking auditorium just, like, full of people... Like, saying, Heil Heil Hitler. Mm -hmm. Like, and just, like, that's where my mind went when I saw the thousands of Hydra agents, like... Just losing their goddamn minds like they're at a KISS concert? Yeah, it was, like, the same type of, like... Fanaticism. Yes. And to me, that's terrifying, which I think they get into it later about, like... Oh, I got some quotes. Yeah, okay. Well... Hold that thought. We'll put a pin in it. Ooh, look at you. Pin. Pin. Ready to move on? Yeah. All right. Amazing Spider-Man 520. This issue came out May 25th, 2005 by the same creative team. Aunt May wakes up early in Avengers Tower and heads to the kitchen to prepare breakfast where Jarvis is already cooking for the heroes. He has this really, really cute statement where he's just like, yeah, there's no guarantee they get to eat lunch or dinner, so I try like really hard to keep them fed in the morning. And I was like, oh, I never really thought about that. Yeah, most shit doesn't pop off at 6 a.m. It's usually, like, around noon, I guess. So, yeah, let's... Bad guys are sometimes considerate. Yeah, yeah they sleep in. <laughs> yeah. uh, I sensed the Aunt May Jarvis, like, kitchen cook-off. Oh, yeah. From, like, the very beginning. I was like, oh, no, shit's about to go down. And she's, she's just like, that's my stove? That's my favorite burner. How dare you? Um, it's really cute. Once May hears how long he's been in service for Stark and the Avengers... She forcefully, but politely, tells him to sit down, and she starts cooking breakfast. Wolverine shows up uh, to breakfast shirtless, with a cigar in his mouth and a whiskey in his hand, and May is not having fucking any of it. She puts it, like takes a cigar out of his mouth, puts it out in his whiskey. He says he's going to go get donuts, and she's like, uh, yeah, I think you need to wear a shirt to get your donuts, guy. Like <laughs> she's, she's pretty tough, and everyone's just like, oh shit, she's stuck up to Wolverine. Yeah, but, like, who's going to say no to her? To Aunt May? That's a great question. Amazing question. No one. Absolutely no one. No. Nor should they. Yeah. Tony comes out, Tony being Iron Man, comes out and says that there's a situation happening. Jarvis flirts with May a bit before the heroes go out to meet their doppelgangers, the people revealed at the end of the last issue. Iron Man takes on a Thor wannabe. Luke Cage and Spider-Woman go after the Iron Man wannabe. Cap fights his own dark reflection, and Spider-Man is ambushed at the pier by someone resembling Hawkeye, the Avenger who died all the way back in Avengers Disassembled, a story we covered on the first episode of this show. Spidey fights him, but quickly has to protect civilians from an exploding building. All the other Hydra clones retreat at the same time once the building explodes, And the front page of the Bugle shows our heroes struggling against these villains in a coordinated strike. Confused by how the Bugle got such amazing photos at the same time, Peter calls Robbie, uh, I think the publisher of the Daily Bugle, 
to find out that the bugle was tipped, that Hydra wanted to be seen laying one on their chins. Uh, when Peter realizes they didn't steal anything from any of their scenes, he deduces that they must have been distractions, since the only thing that was destroyed or taken was uh, the records building at the pier. That's the building that was destroyed. Meaning Hydra could have snuck in or out of anything they, they would have wanted uh, out of the pier. The art shows a freight ship that brought in missiles now unaccounted for. And that's the end of the issue. He put that together, like, real fast. That's one thing that, like, people really struggle with. And that's, like, a really big complaint, specifically, of, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Is everyone has, like, a different aspect of Peter Parker that's their favorite. And, like, one of the favorite ones is how smart he is. Mm-hmm. And it's actually pretty interesting. So, like, in the recent story, Skin Deep, he actually relies on Tony Stark for technology to, like, beat this guy. And Tony's, like, really impressed. He's like, wow, that was really cool how you, like, put that together and realized, like, what you needed to do to beat this guy. I'm glad I could help. And so this is all sort of leading up to Civil War in in the comics. And so this story, the previous story, story before the New Avengers, is kind of like Peter looking at Tony as, like, more of a father figure and Tony treating him more like a son okay and just like being impressed with his intelligence so i think they've really been pressing just how smart peter is and like how he's like not below tony not below reed richards but like you know a, a contemporary of theirs like maybe not as smart as reed is supposed to be the smartest man on the planet but like he can fucking hang with reed richards okay he can hang with Tony. I didn't think he was that smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought it was, like, super convenient that he, like, put all these pieces together. Well, in the comics originally, he invented the webbing and invented the web shooters. Mm-hmm. And then in the movie, the Tobey Maguire movie, it was all organic. And he just, like, shot it out of his wrist or whatever, you know. And so they were like, well, you kind of took away him being smart. It's like, well, there's actually other opportunities for Homeboy to be smart. So let's not let's not draw the fucking line at web shooters being the only thing that makes him smart. Amazing Spider-Man 521 came out June 29th, 2005. This issue opens with Cap dropping a history bomb on Peter, saying that Hydra just ain't what it used to be. Quote, For the last 10 years, Hydra has just been one more crime cartel. After the Second World War, when it was an outgrowth of the supremacist ideals of the Nazis, Hydra was a real threat to the world. Because people who only care about money can be bought out. People who only care about power can be broken or scared away. But extremists who genuinely believe that their cause is just, those are the ones to watch out for. That was the quote that I was thinking of earlier. Yeah. About, like, what makes it super fucking terrifying. Yeah, that's scary. And Peter's about to say something, I think, that also makes it pretty scary. Uh, Peter doesn't think he's convinced Cap, and uh, he hasn't convinced Cap that he's right, but he knows he is. Uh, And he's not angry. He says Cap reminds him of his Uncle Ben, which is a pretty high compliment. Uh, But then he gets to work. Researching what Hydra has been up to recently, he learns that several S.H.I.E.L.D. agents assigned to Hydra-related missions have gone missing, and a bunch of Hydra's higher-ups from the last decade have gone missing as well. And then Peters remember his history. Quote, Hitler rose to power on the backs of a bunch of brown-shirted thugs who were mainly interested in beating and intimidating people and using crime to increase the power and the bank accounts of the big guys. But as soon as Hitler had what he needed, he got rid of the S.A. and replaced them with the S.S., who were the true believers when it came to the big picture. Maybe that's what happened here. Yeah, Nazis. Yeah. Maybe a little too smart, like the way he like put all that together. Because it's like, oh, there's six issues, and it's like we're in, what, issue three? And he's already got it solved. But like, goddamn, that's terrifying. And like doesn't feel completely, I don't know, in the past the way I would like it to be. I mean, we've also recently in in real life have had like a resurgence of... Nazi, neo-Nazi, neo-Nazi ideology. ideology. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's just like, oh yeah, these people who just want X and then like the person, you know, being a little puppet master then just replaces them with something so much worse. Like that's like, oh fuck, that sounds vaguely familiar, not a fan. Peter rushes to the premiere of Mary Jane's off-Broadway play called Cats Always Lie and sends her a bouquet with a note that says, quote, MJ, we win the second we decide to try. Just showing up is victory. You've already won, so just have fun and knock him out. A beautiful montage page shows the play and Peter's amazement by it. Quote, when you live with someone day after day, it's easy to forget sometimes just who they really are and what they can do. Then when you see it, when you're reminded of just what they can do, it's a revelation. 
People see me swinging around skyscrapers and they think I'm pretty special, but it's not me. It's her. It's always been her. That part was really sweet. It was really tender, right? Like, that was, like, a really just, like, well-written, like, I love you moment. And, like, seemed very genuine and not put in there to be like, oh, we need to make him relatable. Mm-hmm. It was, like, it felt it felt real to me. It's super awkward because, like, just a few issues ago in that Sin's Past storyline where, like, you know, thought Gwen Stacy could still be alive or whatever, um... He's, like, blacking out, and he's, like, saying I love you to who he thinks is Gwen Stacy, and then, like, the camera, like, focuses in, and it's Mary Jane. She's like, oh, I love you, too, and it's like, <laughs> don't, don't know how to deal with that. They never deal with that. And then we're going to talk about House of M soon on this show, but basically in House of M, the world flips overnight, and everyone gets everything they've ever wanted, and that's by the, the villain behind the story in an attempt to, like, make the heroes so happy they won't question this new reality. And in this new reality... Peter's totally married to Gwen Stacy and not Mary Jane. Drama! Oh, uh, yeah. So, like, shit feels like it's almost, like, on the rocks. So then you get a moment like that, and you're like, oh, no, it's it's MJ. Like, it's gotta be MJ. Because that was such a but, sweetly written moment. But what if? What if? Yeah, great, great series. Should probably explore that in a what if. At the after party, MJ and Pete are celebrating the night when Pete's spider sense starts going off, specifically around a pharmaceutical company owner named Edgar Lascombe, a dude who finances plays all over the country. Peter leaves with MJ's blessing and follows him home when he notices someone with an assault rifle and a hydra ring get out of the car behind him. Accidentally knocking over a plant pot, Peter gets uh, this armed man's attention, who immediately starts firing on Peter. When the assassin is hit by a car, Lascombe thanks Spider-Man for being at the right place at the right time, but Peter's spider sense is still going off. Returning home from the after party, a paparazzi photographer asks MJ what she's doing at Avengers Tower. Uh, gripped by fear that she could inadvertently reveal Peter's secret identity to the world since the Avengers live there and Spider-Man's there. Uh, she says she's there to see Tony Stark. Safely inside his penthouse, Lascombe laments the death of his personal bodyguard, but is happy his secret as the leader of this enormous Hydra cell is safe. He descends to the secret cave hideout and reveals to his lieutenants that they have everything they need to kill the United States. Like, not the people, the country, the United States. They have a half ton of genetically modified disease, like uh, anthrax and... Uh, that other one like uh like, botulinum. yeah botulinum thank you a rocket that can carry the payload and a plan to launch it all to the agalala aquifier a large natural water reservoir uh sorry the largest natural water reservoir in the world covering 174,000 square miles it provides water to south dakota nebraska wyoming colorado kansas oklahoma new mexico and texas so that's like eight states so like right in the middle of the country right in the breadbasket. um so it's like, oh, fuck, that's actually a terrifying plan. <laughs> is that aquifer real? There is a giant, like, aquifer there. I don't know if that's actually what it's called. In fact, we're going to pause right here. And we're back. Super duper real. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think that's, like, what everyone's, like, drilling into. Uh, Fracking? No, not that, but, like, for the, like, the Dust Bowl. Like, they couldn't. Oh, I think they, like, drowned out, like, the shallowest part of that, and then that was when they, like, lost access to water, I believe, but I'm not that's a thousand crazy. percent sure. And I'm not going to take another research break to double-check. No, that's, that's fair. That's just, that's just official Marvel canon at this point. Google is too hard. <laughs> yeah. The next morning, MJ snags a copy of the paper from Wolverine, who's giving her all kinds of shit because he's such a dick, featuring her prominently on the cover with the headline, quote, Married model in love nest tryst with Tony Stark. Drama. What would you do, though? Like, would you do the same thing? Yeah, I feel like it's easier to explain to A, Tony, B, Peter, and C, everyone else important in my life, like, hey, this is why I did this, than it is to be like, my husband and I live here. Because, like, Peter at the time is, like, a school teacher, like a middle school teacher. Yeah, like doesn't have a lot of money. Yeah, and MJ like is in an off-Broadway play, so it's not like they can like actually afford like a penthouse in Stark Tower, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you say that, that becomes the story, and then all suspicion about Peter being Spider-Man. Yeah, like I think that's like the best possible scenario. Yeah, and it's super complicated. There's like another, sp there's I think two other Spider-Man series going on at this time, and in one of the other ones... Uh, Wolverine is just, like, hitting on MJ, like, nonstop. 
Yeah, Wolverine's kind of a dick. Oh, huge dick, yeah. Not saying he has a huge dick, saying he is a huge dick. I mean... What? He probably does. Does Wolverine have a huge dick, or does Hugh Jackman probably have a huge dick? Both can be true. Okay. <laughs> okay. Amazing Spider-Man 522 came out July 27th, 2005. Peter wakes up to a call from Robbie, his old boss at the Bugle, profusely apologizing for what he's going through, but Pete has no idea what he's talking about. Looking for MJ, Wolverine talks shit, and Peter literally throws his ass through the window to the ground floor. Done completely off screen. You have to like pay attention to get that joke where like you see Wolverine, then you see a panel of like MJ talking to I think Aunt May, and there's like a sound effect in the background, and there's just like a giant hole. And then like Spider Woman's just like, I thought this was supposed to be unbreakable, and Luke's like, Yeah, Tony better get his money back. <laughs> <laughs> MJ apologizes to Peter as well, who knows it's not true and completely understands why she did what she did. Tony shows up and apologizes uh, again, uh, <laughs> uh, but there isn't time to dwell on it when he reveals that the assassin who died last night was actually on Lascombe's payroll. Jarvis puts his arm around Aunt May, apologizes, and then May Horndog Parker tells him <laughs> to put it back. <laughs> I didn't say you can move your arm. Yeah, God, she is... So forthright. It's really nice. I mean, at that age. Yeah, like, what do you got to lose? Yeah. Also, spoilers, she's totally gonna get shot in a couple issues. So, like, yeah, she better get it in while she can. No. It's cool. It happens in, like, two years from this book. Oh. We got, like, another good 20 issues. Then Peter makes a deal with the devil to save her life. Comics get so fucking weird. You're weird. No, you are. Peter heads back to Lascombe's penthouse and puts a tracer on him. Once he realizes the apartment is empty, he enters and starts snooping around. Peter has always had a lively internal monologue, but the dude sounds straight up unhinged. Like, like he's having a wildly, wildly manic conversation with himself. Yeah, like, is he okay? Oh, we're going to talk about that. Okay. That comes up. He discovers the entrance to the caverns below and sneaks in after he finds a Hydra uniform he sees the map of the Oglala Aquifier and uh, hears about the toxic diseases and kind of deduces their plan. Still needs, like, double confirmation of their plan. But he's got an idea that they're up to no good. I mean, it's a hydrocell of thousands of people. Obviously, they're up to no good. Also, I love the, I don't know what it's called, strategy in a story of, like, wearing the enemy's uniform to blend in. That's, like, my favorite favorite thing like that's, they do that in stranger things that's such a good trope yeah yeah like <laughs> i love it i'm like yeah just dress like the enemy nobody's gonna question you yeah i mean uh, is it hopper he looks like he could be like a russian exactly army guy um joyce a little less but i love the effort yeah she really commits yeah a Hydra agent in the base is arguing to get his family out of the area of the attack, but the bureaucrat he's talking to says they've already evacuated too many people from Omaha, and any more would make it look suspicious. Denied time and time again, this desperate agent pulls out a gun, demanding his parents be removed, and it becomes a Mexican standoff. Not wanting anyone else to die, Spider-Man reveals himself and saves this outmanned agent who is ungrateful because now people will think he's a traitor who brought in Spider-Man. Imagine thinking, like, there's something people can think worse of you than being, like, a Hydra agent. Yeah. Like, oh no, they're gonna think I'm friends with Spider-Man. Oh, shit, not like Like, this. that being worse than, like, <laughs> oh no, people are gonna know I'm associated with Hydra. I'm a neo-Nazi. Yeah, yeah, like... <laughs> not even a neo-Nazi, like an organized militant neo-Nazi. Spidey and this agent try to make it to an exit, but Spider-Man and him are immediately outnumbered and cornered by the hero facsimiles. The Thor, the Iron Man, the Captain America, and the Hawkeye. Amazing Spider-Man 523 came out August 31st, 2005. And we're actually going to take a little break here. I want to talk about something else that happened in 2005. 2005, an amazing year for TV shows. Are we talking fall 2005? We're talking fall. We're talking spring also. Okay. I'm trying to think. Let me let me give you a list. I was in, I think, the eighth grade. Eighth grade in 2005. That makes sense. 
because August 2005, yeah, that was the August right before my sophomore year of high school. So that's the August right before your freshman year of yeah. high school. Yeah, so I was in between 8th and ninth grade, which was like between junior high and high school right. and my school. So I'm, I went with like the 10 biggest shows. Okay. Like the most popular lasting shows. And I also picked shows that I knew you'd love. So first one. Wait, you think you know me? I think I know you pretty well. You know what came out in 2005? What? Fucking Prison Break. I fucking love Prison Break. You love Prison Break. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching an interview the other day. Uh, <laughs> I've been getting super into tennis, and that's part of the reason I've been so tired lately. I'm just like physically exhausted all the time because I am severely out of shape, and I'm trying to be a good tennis player. And uh, I, I've just been so obsessed with tennis lately. You were super cool. You got me tickets to the U.S. Open for my birthday. So I'm beyond excited. I'm going to travel during COVID times. Going to get, like, an N95,000 mask. By car, quarantine, yeah. super safe. Can't wait. But, jeez. I've been watching so many clips, and there was, like, an interview with Roger Federer from, I think, GQ, where it was, like, 73, like, bullet fire questions. And the guy was like, so, uh, and this was from, like, two years ago. And he was like, so, uh, what TV show are you most obsessed with right now? He's like, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I think the last good one I saw was probably Prison Break. And it's like, my guy, that came out like 10 years ago. <laughs> I just rewatched it like this year. Holds up? Uh, Definitely holds up. Wentworth is like so good. Yeah. So good. That show is very good. Highly recommend if you haven't watched it. It's like five seasons, like not too much of a commitment, but like enough to like really uh, get obsessed with for like a week or a couple days, depending on how, how hard you go. You sure. Uh, I just remember like the end of the first episode where it's like revealed like got himself in a prison on purpose and has like the, the tattoos yeah the layout to the prison is like his tattoos it's kind of genius it's it's something all right yeah i just remember thinking like this is so ridiculous <laughs> uh first season is really good though uh another show bones i love bones i know you love bones. i didn't watch bones when it was on though i, I watched at least some of prison break like with my mom mm-hmm. when it was first on tv bones i just watched over the past year okay for the first time. It was on sporadically. My dad was obsessed with Bones. So, like, anytime I would visit him, it was always Bones. And, like, in the mid-2000s, like, no show spoke to my dad more than CSI. Because this was, like, prime. Like, I think CSI was a CBS show. Yep. But, like, Spike had, like, the rerun rights, I think. Okay, And yeah, so yeah. it was just on Spike, like, 18 hours a day. And my dad refused to watch anything but CSI. He was, like, in love with, uh, was it uh, Jorge Fox? George- Georgia Fox? Georgia Fox. Her name's Jorge. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I thought it would have been a Marge. I mean, I don't think he was like anti anti Marge, but uh, no, lo- loved uh, loved Georgia. I'm sorry, uh, your dad and I are. You guys have like the same exact taste and everything. everything. It's, <laughs> it's so confusing. It's true what they say. You you end up dating your father. It's it's true what they say. <laughs> uh, another show that came out in 2005, Motherfucking Criminal Minds. Coming back! It's coming back. It's got like what a ten episode mini series. Yeah, on Paramount Plus. Uh, total propaganda. Um, but I live for it. I think it's different when it's feds. Yeah, it's still like the FBI is like not great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you say it like that, because I was so concerned about like a militarized police, I'm like, no, but the federal government. I'm like, why am I supporting the federal government? Yeah, no, that's a good point. But, uh, I mean, like, they're basically just super therapists. Yeah, like, they're, like, <laughs> behavioral psychologists. Yeah, totally different. Um, whatever. I ride and die for that show. Yeah, it's your favorite TV show of all time. Is that, like, the most embarrassing thing about me? No. Oh. I'm not gonna share the most embarrassing <laughs> thing about you. I'm like, this is a live microphone. I'm not sharing I the don't most... want to die tonight. Yeah, I'm not sharing the most embarrassing thing about you, but that is not the most embarrassing thing about you. I thought it would be. Mary also liking uh, Criminal Minds so much like makes me feel better about it. Because mm-hmm. we're both like, yeah, this is problematic. Um, However, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Next show on the list, one you probably hate slash don't care about, How I Met Your Mother. I really came around on it. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, will I ever want to watch it again? No, but How I Met Your Father... Oh, my God. Yeah, We're so there. How I Met Your Mother was worth it because it gave us How I Met Your Father. Totally worth it. Okay. Man, Hilary Duff looks good. She looks so good. Yeah. 
I love How I Met Your Mother. That was probably like my favorite show. Like I, I didn't watch it at the time. I got super into it my freshman year of college. That my neighbor, the guy who lived in the dorm next to me, was super into it, this guy named Jim. And uh, he lent me all the seasons, and we just became obsessed. And then the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I did a cross-country road trip with my buddy Ben, who uh, listens to this podcast. And I was like, yeah, man, I got this show. I think you might like it. It's called How I Met Your Mother. He's like, yeah, sure, throw it on. And we were obsessed. And that's now, I think, his favorite show of all time. Oh. Yeah. Another show that premiered in the spring, not in the fall, Grey's Anatomy. Grey's premiered? in the spring yeah it was like a well because it was a six issue or wow six episode six to eight episode i think like pilot pilot season uh i stand grays i haven't watched recent grays maybe like the last season and a half Mm -hmm. uh just because covid exhausted me yeah um and you know i just needed to rewatch shows that i've seen a million times to make me feel better no i get it i Gave up on Grey's Anatomy, I think, like, season three or season four, where there was, like, a dude with a bomb in him. Oh, yeah, and Meredith, like, sticks her hand in. Yeah, I couldn't do it after that, but I stand by season one of Grey's Anatomy being perfect television. So good. The season six finale with the shooter in the hospital. That one was so disappointing because that guy was, like, the head of Secret Service in the West Wing, <laughs> and I just, I, I'm just so mad that he, like, had, a, had like, a heel turn, like, in Grey's Anatomy. How dare he? <laughs> yeah. Um... That episode I, like, put on, like, if I need a good cry. I just watched that season finale. I think it's, like, a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's just, like, if I won't be real sad right now, I'm and, gonna watch this. Yeah, it's like you need, it's like you're you're constipated for emotions. Yeah. You're like, I, got, I gotta flush the tear ducts. <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta work this shit out. <laughs> it's like, Ipecac for your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> a show you could not care less about, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Never seen a single episode. I just think it's really cool that it started off as a contest for FX, and, like, they filmed the original pilot for, like, 200 bucks. Like, they basically just, like, bought a camera and then made everything themselves. And then, like, that show is still on TV. More wine. It's a wine break. Absolutely surreal to me that that show is still on. It's still, like, still new episodes? Still new episodes, yeah. Is it actually filmed in Philly? Uh, yeah. I think so. That was another show I didn't get into until college, like freshman year. There is uh, a girl on the floor above me who I thought was like insanely pretty. And that was Not her, me. That was her. No, you weren't in college yet. And that was like her favorite show. And I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. I mean, just have something to talk about with her. Never spoke to her again, but like I was obsessed with always saying. <laughs> like, I think I borrowed the DVDs from her. And then all I cared about was talking about that show with, with, with literally everyone. I gave them back. And then li- like literally talking about that show with anyone else but her. Uh, so thanks, flannel lady. I'm not going to say your name on the podcast. Another show I've watched one episode of, couldn't get into, Supernatural. It, you keep trying to get me into Supernatural. I don't try to get you into Supernatural. I just know that you burn through shows like a, like a bad habit. And I'm like, oh, there's 15 seasons of this show. And also, like, you were super into Buffy. You liked Angel. Did you like Spike? I never watched... Spike. Yeah, that was a show, right? I think so. I can't remember if that was a show or a comic. It might be confusing. Though. I think it was a comic. He was on both, both, yeah, and was more on Angel, mm-hmm. I think. But I rewatched Angel relatively recently, and I just yeah, the last couple seasons don't hold up well. No, yeah, that was your project last summer. I think you like started Buffy. I think you did like five episodes. And you're like, let's just get to the good stuff, and then you immediately went to Angel. I like Angel. I love David Boreanaz. That was like one of our first conversations. You were drunk, like one of the first times I met you, and you're just like, I like Angel more than Buffy. Does that make me a bad feminist? <laughs> <laughs> no. that was According to George, it does. I mean, that was like the funny joke at the time. No, it doesn't make you a bad feminist, but it's really funny that that was like your immediate concern. Next up, The Office premiered in 2005. You could not hate this show more if you tried? I could. It could be Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It could be Seinfeld. How happy would you be if I fell asleep to The Office for once instead of Seinfeld? Just can we go back to like Parks and Rec? Well, it's on Peacock and I actually just don't like the Peacock streaming service. Okay. Uh, next up, a show I really love that I don't know if you remember this that I love it, but Numbers. No. No. I, I had no idea you had any thoughts on it. Really? Yeah. 
Oh, man, that's, like, I always make fun of you for liking Criminal Minds so much because I think it's just, like, the worst photocopy of CSI, a show that I think is, like, legitimately great. At least, like, the first, like, I'd say until, like, Nick is buried, right? Like, the first, like, five seasons of that show are, like, unimpeachable. Yes, agreed. I always make fun of you for liking Criminal Minds just because I think it's just such a bad imitation. But, like, Numbers, I actually think is super fun. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that's actually, like a Tony Scott joint. Like, I think he's, like, the EP on that. That's, like, Tony Scott, like, the guy who directed, like, Top Gun, Days of Thunder. George, do you like Top Gun? Oh, yeah, I fucking love Top Gun. I know. I'm so sad we didn't record an episode of Frameskip this week because that technically breaks a streak of us talking about Top Gun Maverick. I think it capped out at four episodes in a row where we talked about it for at least four minutes. Well, we can talk about Top Gun Maverick on this episode if you want. Mary Fuck Kill. No, Glenn don't do Powell, this. <laughs> Miles Teller and Jennifer Connelly. We already did this one. On this show? Yeah. Oh, okay, my bad. Our last episode, and you, I'm like, I died. Okay, Mary Fuck... But I killed Jennifer Connelly. Mary Fuck Kill. John Hamm. John Hamm. I'm oh, sorry, John Hamm from Top Gun Maverick. John Hamm from Mad Men. John Hamm from The Town. Mary, John Hamm from Top Gun Maverick. He's such an asshole. <laughs> Fuck John Hamm from the town. He's an even bigger asshole. Kill John Hamm from Mad Men. The biggest asshole. <laughs> so I think that's actually the right order. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he did it. Uh, God, can we rewatch The Town? That's yeah. like my favorite movie ever. Yeah, I can rewatch The Town. Uh, final show from 2005. Deal or no deal? Is that with Howie? That is with Howie, yeah. <sighs> Unsubscribe. Yeah, I just think also it, I think Chrissy Teigen was a, a briefcase holder. holder yeah, I think so. Show. I think so too. What's really funny is there's like a joke in Thirty Rock where basically Ken, like the the production assistant, like the I forget what they're called, the PA, um, the Page. Sorry, that's what they're called on Thirty Rock. Uh, he comes up with an idea for a game show. And it's basically a cross between Deal or No Deal and some other game show, but, like, it's all these women holding cases that have, like, various amounts of gold in it. Yeah, that's, like, too heavy. <laughs> yeah, they're like, which one has a million dollars of gold? And it's always, like, the chick who's, like, struggling <laughs> to, like, hold on to the cases. It's really funny. Um, yeah, I, I think I've seen, like, not since college when I was, like, hungover and, like, skipping class during the week, have I seen an episode of Deal or No Deal? Yeah. Primetime, sick, hungover show in college. There was a time period where I was, like, very into game shows and, like, Game Show Network and was all about it. And it was, like, before Deal or No Deal. Mm-hmm. So I have no thoughts. I mean, you know how I feel about Wheel of Fortune. That's your number one, right? Yeah, which is, like, really unfortunate because I really don't like Pat Sajak. Yeah, but you like Havana White so much more. Yeah. I love the actual game of Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, I'm an English major. I always thought I was, like, really good with words, and then I would try to play you in a game of, like, Scrabble or, like, Words with Friends. And, like, Bananagrams. I, and Bananagrams. I just fucking hate playing games with you, one. <laughs> Two, I hate specifically playing word games with you. <laughs> I'm a very uh, competitive person. It's just, at least with word games, you're, like, competent, but, like, when we're playing, like, Monopoly <laughs> or something, you're bad. I'm bad and competitive. You're bad and an asshole about it. <laughs> I have many redeeming qualities, I promise. Oh, yeah. This is just... This is this, this is literally everything I don't like about you. It's like the board game stuff. That's why we haven't played a board game since, like, 2015. Oh, you noticed that? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, the last time we played a board game was, I think, when you played Rage Cage. And that was also the last time we played Rage Cage. That was the last time I drank four bottles of champagne in 30 minutes. You're pretty bad at Rage Cage. <laughs> All right, that was a fun little break. You ready to get back to Amazing Spider-Man? Tie this one off? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Amazing Spider-Man 523 came out August 31st, 2005. Uh, Pete manages to hold his own against the four Hydra metahumans, but once he's cornered, he can hear gunfire and tells them that all... Sorry, tells them all that means is that the Calvary has arrived. Busting through the wall, we've got the full new Avengers team, minus Bob the Sentry. He's still working on himself at this point. Good for him. Yeah. Realizing that Hydra probably moved up their timetable, Iron Man and Spidey fly through the facility looking for the dirty bomb. They reach it, uh, but before Spidey's able to shut it down, Lascom launches it. 
Spidey webs up to the rocket, and Cap has flashbacks to Bucky on that damn island grabbing onto the V2 rocket, his actual worst memory. And that is a story that we covered on this podcast, too. Please look for the Captain America episode back in the feed. That really hurt me. That was like a like a knife through the heart. Knowing how much you love old people, Cap seems like a cheat code. Because he's an old person in the body of a, a babe. Yeah, why do you think I like Chris Evans so much? Yeah, it's a great call. Uh, I like him because of the sweater he wore in Knives Out. Also agree. Also his sideburns in that movie, The Perfect Score. Big fan. That was before I could really grow sideburns, and it was something to look up to. Now you just have... I got too much hair for sideburns. Sideburns just slow me down. Iron Man does his best to follow the rocket, but it's not going well. Now entering the upper atmosphere, Peter is slipping in and out of consciousness, but managed to destroy the delivery mechanism for the rocket and the guidance for the rocket, meaning this inert missile will fall into the ocean and safely explode. Uh, instead of poisoning and destroying the entire Midwest for the next hundred years, which sounds like a win. Peter loses consciousness a final time and begins free-falling into the Atlantic, uh, when right before he hits, the missile detonates, catching him in the blast. Looks bad for our guy Pete, doesn't it? Not looking good. Not what you want. It. I got flashbacks to... Was it Endgame or Infinity War, where he's like, on the spaceship going into space. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> yeah, flashbacks to that. Even flashbacks to the first Avengers movie, right, where like Iron Man has like the nuke and he's like guiding it into the portal. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, those are great references. They might have been pulling from this moment because like they were looking at comic books from around this time, and it's so, like that is absolutely like what was going on. Amazing Spider-Man 524 came out September 28th, 2005. Congratulations, Aaliyah. I think you just finished your first month of uh, ninth grade. Yep. Yeah. Also, this cover. This is your favorite cover. I believe yeah. the cover artist is Terry Dodson, because it's got, like, a little bit more, like, meat, I guess, like, to the anatomy, right? Like, it's got, like, a little bit more bubbly. It's got really fun colors where it's, like... That's what I didn't notice. Spidey sort of, like, offset against, like, a 60s-esque, like, Hydra background. I don't know how to work your iPad. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Where were we? I don't know. I think I really just like the lime green. Oh, the lime green of the Nazi symbol, Hydra? I don't know. It looks, it looks good. The colors are great. Oh, that's actually a Tony Harris cover. Yeah, he's a really fun artist. Uh, doesn't do a lot of stuff, but damn, that is a dynamic looking cover. Big fan. Is the angles good? It's just, I like it a lot. Yeah, and the coloring's really good on it, too. Peter resigns to death. He just, like, fuck it. I'm gonna die. Screw it. At least I saved everyone. At least I saved MJ. I mean, yeah. If you're, if you're gonna go out, like, at least go out doing the thing, right? Yeah. At the last possible second, though, Iron Man catches him before crashing into the ocean. Back at Avengers Tower, Peter is resting for days in quarantine as he recovers from the physical ordeal and receives a regimen of antitoxins because he was clearly exposed to, like, the weird disease shit that was on the missile. However, while monitoring Peter, Tony notices something is up with his blood and biology, something strange. But Tony says because there were no symptoms before Peter's exposure to the toxins, it shouldn't be anything to worry about. Peter's like, yeah, man, I was bit by a radioactive spider. Like, I've got weird biology. Yeah, which is true, but... Peter asks what kind of symptoms. And Tony answers, you know, just stuff like blackouts, dizziness, confusion, disorientation. And the art here flashes back to several panels from, like, the last, like, 12 issues or so. Where all that has happened multiple times. Like, earlier in the story, we said that, like, he accidentally knocks over, like, a planter. Like, a, plot, a pot plant. Yeah. A plant pot. <laughs> <laughs> Not a pot plant. To get, like, that assassin's attention. It's because he was, like, confused and, like, misjudged, like, his body. And then in the previous story in Skin Deep, uh, he, like, passes out. And, like, it seemed like... You remember how What's-His-Nuts, Milo Ventimiglia, died in um, Life as We Know It? Is that the show? No. Heroes? He, no, the other show with Mandy Moore. Oh, This Is Us. This Is Us. Yeah, sorry. Life as We Know It is, like, the really horny MTV show. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. 
Uh, you know how he died from that? Like, I honestly thought it was just like, oh, smoke inhalation, you just pass out after that. And you either have a heart attack or you don't. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's actually, like, all these symptoms. Whew, and it seems like bad, bad news. Uh, instead of copping up to it and admitting he needs help, Peter lies, saying he's just fine. And that shit was not happening. Yeah, I don't love that. Don't love that either. But that's also Spider-Man's burden, is to not ever rely on anyone else. I know, but also, like, when... Your health issues could, like, negatively impact your team, your country, I thought your you were. I thought you were worried about Peter. You're just worried about the, uh... No, it's just selfish. The win rate of the team. Tony shares that the Hydra base was destroyed. A bunch of people were caught. A bunch escaped. Yada, yada, yada. But all Peter really cares about is getting back to MJ. And when he does, she pan- plants a big smooch... Uh, right on his face. Some jokes are exchanged at everyone's expense, including Tony's, and Peter finally notices May holding Jarvis's hand. And it's just like, what? That's weird. When did this happen? And MJ's like, I swear, men are always the last to know. That was a cute moment. Elsewhere, Tony approaches the paparazzi photographer that outed MJ and threatens to sue the dude into the Stone Age and expose his own illicit affair if he doesn't print a retraction immediately. After laying together as husband and wife, Pete decides to take a bath, but passes out for an hour, only waking when a half-asleep MJ realizes how long he's been gone. Peter realizes now that he's in trouble, but doesn't want to admit what it can mean. Instead, laying in bed with MJ, telling himself not to think about it. Well, maybe he should think about it. Maybe he should think about it. This was a really weird time in Spider-Man. So, like, Peter Parker always assumed that, like, he got his powers from, like, the irradiated spider, right? Yeah. This author sort of attributed a lot of his powers more to mysticism than science, just trying to, like, shake up the formula a little bit. Okay. And uh, he's had a run-in with someone who was talking about spider totems, this guy named Ezekiel, in a previous story. And so Spider-Man's powers and origins are kind of in question here, a little bit in flux. And uh, in the next story, there's uh, a big crossover across, I think, three different Spider-Man series called Spider-Man The Other. And it lasts for four months, and it was like supposed to be like a really big status quo resetting deal and whatnot. And so this is ostensibly the, the prelude into how he's feeling in that. Okay. Uh, but that concludes New Avengers from Amazing Spider-Man, issues 519 to 524. Aaliyah, how are we feeling? Good. I really like this. I like this better than the last ones that I read. The New Avengers stuff and the Pulse? The Pulse was the last one you read. Yes. Yeah. I don't remember names. I'm so bad. Sorry. Um, so you like this more than the Pulse? Do you like this more than New Avengers? I say about the same. I think this has like way more personal drama, which you're probably more into than like the big high-flying like greater and marvel universe narrative but i don't know i really liked the hydra story the big plot to poison the water Mm -hmm. it was thwarted big personal sacrifice i like that a lot okay I like that a lot, too. This is, I think, like, the first issue of Spider-Man I remember grabbing uh, when I started, like, going to the comic book store every week was the previous story, Skin Deep. And I think it was, like, the last issue, and I was, like, really confused as to what was going on. So this was the first Amazing Spider-Man story I, like, just grabbed. And I was just like, holy shit, this is awesome. Because it felt like such a big, wide world, right, where he was dealing with the New Avengers. And I was reading the New Avengers, just like, oh shit, like this really is like a connected book. And that felt so cool to see like the consequences in one book play out in another. Also, I feel like it's cool to see him in New Avengers and be like, okay, it's just that Spider-Man guy, blah, blah, blah. And then like you read this and you're like, oh man, so much is going on in his life that like you don't get from that book. But like knowing what you know from like reading these Spider-Man issues, it's like... Oh, do these things from these other books make more sense now? For sure. And that's like that meme that goes around, right? Where it's just like all your friends are side characters in your life, but like you're a side character in their life. And it's just like, oh yeah, shit, that is what's happening. And like there was like a Captain America story going on at the same time, but like doesn't really feel super connected to New Avengers, right? And there's 
Um, no Spider-Woman book, no Century book. So it really is just, like, Spider-Man, Cap, and Iron Man are, like, the only heroes, like, with their own ongoings. Spider-Man does the best job, I think, of, like, tying in okay. to the other books. Like, Captain America might as well just, like, be its own book by its own publisher. Like, that's how, like, disconnected it is from every other hero. It's really just about, like, the mythology of Captain America. And Iron Man is honestly a fucking mess at this point. Like, we covered the first story, the Warren Ellis, Addy Granov story, Iron Man, Extremis. Really fucking good. After that, there's Executive Execute Program, which is whatever. And then after that, it it gets a little better once the the Knopf writing team comes on the father and son, but that's not for like another year at this point. So that book's a fucking mess. Captain America, like I said, doing its own thing. Spider-Man, excellent stuff. Also, I think the way you've kind of handpicked stories for me to read has like demystified comic books for me a little bit I think yeah I used to think like okay like I need to start at issue one mm-hmm. and like I need to read all of them to understand <laughs> anything that's going on cricket <laughs> we're live we're live we're talking to people sorry the baby um, and I mean, like you kind of tell me briefly what I need to know beforehand mm-hmm. and like contextually what's going on, but it's like way less intimidating just starting in the middle of a run than I thought it would be. Yeah. I mean, this is also why I first watched Star Wars episode one, because I don't know, that made sense to me that, uh, you would start at episode one. Yeah, I guess that, yeah, that fucking makes sense. Okay, like, yes, it makes sense, but also, like, I don't know, episode one came out in your lifetime, so I guess. Why are we fighting about this? I don't know, I'm sorry. We've met before, you know (laughs) I'd never seen any Star Wars until college. Your dad's a fucking nerd, I thought he would have shown it to you at one point. Yeah, but he's, like, too much of a nerd. Yeah, big Stargate guy. Yeah, didn't, like, didn't like see that super com- nerd. Didn't see that coming. He was, like, telling me about a show where, like, a vampire fell in love with a witch and, like, all this drama. I was like, Dad, I can't. Game of Thrones was, like, the most mystical I can comprehend. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that your comic book journey has been fun so far, and it's been less intimidating than you thought it would be. I think the secret to comics is, like, starting when a creative team starts. And so, like, I, I, you did not do that. <laughs> you did not do that at all. Because this is probably, like, 40 issues into JMS's writing tenure, and, like, they've switched artists a bunch of times. So this is not the beginning of a run, but I think that, like, when you're looking at older comics, honestly, if there's a new writer, that's, like, a good time to jump in. And if there's a new artist, that's a good time to jump in, just because it is sort of, like, resetting, like, okay, here's our Captain America story. Here's our Hulk story, as opposed to, like you know, feeling pressured or obligated to read everything that came before. Yeah, it's also just crazy to me that, like, I don't know, they just decide, like, we're just gonna start over. Like, that's, like, someone who, like, moves to a new city and changes their name. (laughs) (laughs) And just, like, (laughs) decides to, like, reset their lives. Uh, Same vibes. All right, all right, yeah, I hear ya, I hear ya. It's like, just forget everything you've known. About me in the past. Okay. If you had to give this a grade, what would you give it? A minus. A minus? Okay. That's awesome. That's that's great. I really liked it. It was... It kept my attention much more than the Pulse and uh, the Jessica Jones one that I read. I thought you would have liked the Pulse more just because it was super personal between Luke and, and Jessica. But hey. It's okay if you didn't like it. Which is weird, because I love the Jessica Jones... Netflix show, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just didn't connect with it. That's all good. I know you weren't a big fan of the art, and Mike Diodato Jr. is a bit more uh, cinematic, I think, in, in his presentation. So it makes sense. All right, Aaliyah, that's all I got. Uh, we were able to keep six issues, really 12, 16 issues, because I gave those like shorter summaries of the, the two previous stories. In like an hour. I think this is like one of our shortest, most comprehensive. I think we're getting better at this thing. I think we are too. And we even took a 10 minute detour to talk about TV shows. And we had less dog interference. 
We did. All right, Aaliyah, would you like anyone to reach out to you on the social medias? I mean, if you want to. If you want to, okay. At Aaliyah413, if you can figure out how to spell it. That's the code. That's, yep. that's the password to get in. I can be found, the show can be found at purplebird616. Uh, please reach out. We have a lot of fun. We just dork out there in, in a lot of Twitter spaces. I think a couple of episodes ago we had Stokes the Writer on. In a lot of uh, a lot of his spaces where we just kind of dork out and share our theories, not just about like the Marvel universe, the MCU, but like really just about like storytelling and craft, which has been a lot of fun. And you should uh, like the podcast, give us a, a review. Yeah, a review would be super helpful if you're listening to this on leave iTunes. A if you're listening to this on iTunes, please leave a review. Uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify, please leave a review. If you're listening to this on some other platform. Please tell me how you found this podcast because I don't advertise there, so that'd be really good to know. Thank you so much for listening to Shortbox Summary. We'll be back in your ear holes next week, probably talking about. I haven't decided yet. Probably Captain America. I'm in a cat mood. Okay. I wonder who's going to cancel on me next week. What comic do you want to read next week? Oh, but I need more uh, notice. More notice than the, the, like the day before. The day before, yeah. I, uh, well, I asked my buddy Colin, who's on the Spider-Man movie podcast, if he wanted to come on, and I really thought he'd say yes, and he's just like, no, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but he, like, took a couple hours to respond, I was like, fuck. And I feel bad. I wanted originally to do Spider-Man stuff with, uh, Seth from, from Frameskip, but oh. schedules just did not line up. It's cool, though. He wants to talk about The Other, which is the story I was going to skip, but honestly, it might be fun to revisit it, so we'll jump into that soon. Yeah, people with lives... How dare you? Annoying. Don't you know I got a podcast to put on a weekly basis? Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, goodbye. Bye bye.